So I'm glad that you're back. I'm glad that, uh, you know, we're here, we're healthy. I'm glad that we got an opportunity to worship together again. I don't know if you guys feel it, felt it at all on break. I don't know what your church situation is. I don't know where you've been, been, been able to gather together with other Christians, but it sure is something special about being able to come together to worship and to just allow God to move in our hearts for a little while. I don't know. Do you guys relate to that? Like when, when I have opportunity to worship with a collective group of people, I can't really explain to you the encouragement that it brings into my life for everything that I have coming up, everything that's going on in my life. So I'm glad that we're able to do this. Um, it's such a privilege. It's such a, a great, great, um, it's just a great environment to be part of. So I, uh, I was talking to Mia uh, today, and where's Mia at? Okay, Mia, you're oldish. Um, you're senior. Like, I, I mean, I know, I know how old I am, but like, you're you're one of the elderly students here, <laughs> right? Hannah's kind of in the same boat. Yeah. Um, who else is like senior year here? Seth? Yes, Seth is. Michaela, you don't really, kind of um, a little bit. You're you're a third year, so. But we were we were having a little bit of a discussion today, and she called she called me out. Um, she called me about, out about recycling messages, and she didn't know it at the time. But I was planning on recycling a message um, today. So if you guys get going, if I get going on this message, you're like, yeah, I've heard this before. You can tune out, but please don't tell anybody that I recycled it. Um, in the future, I mean, obviously, I got called out here. I called myself out, but yeah. It's, you guys know what it's like. Like you put all this work into a presentation for one class and you do it one time. You're like, man, that was a lot of work for one thing. So I get the opportunity to recycle these. It's been a few years, but if you remember it, good. Uh, hopefully it's as encouragement to now. That being said, I don't know how often you guys get the point the first time you hear something, but I certainly don't. I was always that kid that your mom had to harp on time and time again. Hey, take care of that thing there that you just walked past for the 30th. Take care of that. Take care. You know, is anybody else like that? You need reminders constantly? I'm that kid. So if you've heard this before, it's a reminder. If you haven't heard it before, um, I'm going to ask you to pay attention closely to what's at the heart of it. Okay. So there's a movement going on right now around us. And I don't know if you guys recognize it or not, but it's really starting to take over Christianity. It's starting to take over Christians across the globe, across our country. It's growing, growing in those who are elderly in the church. It's growing in those who are instrumental in leading the church. It's a growing, especially in families, but especially it's growing in young people your age. It's a movement within the church that, that, that is going on. Christians across this country are bracing a sort of thinking and a lifestyle that comes along with it. So this afternoon, this evening, I want to give you four time-tested things. And I could give you more, but I'm going to stick to four today. I know good sermons are supposed to have three. I thought I could make this a little bit better, so I went with four. But I'm going to give you four time-tested things that can help you join and excel in this movement. None of them are actually all that difficult. In fact, you're going to find that you're going to come across them naturally, that they're going to come quite simply to you. But still, I believe that they're going to have a huge impact on your life and your walk with the Lord. A huge impact. It's undeniable. 
So tonight's message is entitled this, and I don't know if you're a note writer or not, but you can write this down if you are. Tonight's message is entitled this, How to Be an Apathetic Christian. How to Be an Apathetic Christian. It's days, you guys, like, did anybody go out and about yesterday? It was pretty sunny for a while. But it's days like yesterday where I was out and about and walked into my garage that I really realized something. I really learned what it means to walk by faith and not by sight. You guys know what that means? It's snowy out. It's bright. The sun's shining. And you step into a garage. What do you see? You see absolutely nothing. Like, right? You're so, you got so blinded by the sun that you walk in the garage and you're just like, trying to remember the mental picture that you had of the garage before you stepped out of it so you don't trip over the sledge that the kids laid out there or the car parts that you have in a pile next to the door or the wood splitter trying to remember where... And you're just trying to remember where that is and you're walking by faith, by, not by sight. Um, I found a solution to that. So like when you walk into a, a place from outside and you walk into it, it doesn't even matter if the lights are on. You guys realize how like dark it seems? So you walk in there and what do you guys do? When you're in that situation, you're like blinded by the light from being outside. You open up the garage door, you step in, and what do you do? I just wait, right? Because it's surprising how quickly we can get used to the dark. It's surprising how quickly the brightness of the sun wears off and our eyes begin to adjust and we begin to get used to the level of what was once was dark begins to actually seem sort of light. You see, if you want to be an apathetic Christian, that's something in your life that you need to do. You need to get used to the dark. You need to get used to being in the dark. And the best way that we can do that is to avoid the light. To avoid it completely. John makes it really clear to us in his gospel. when Jesus is talking to this man named Nicodemus who fell from apathy in his own life. He was a, he was a pretty apathetic dude, but he fell from apathy in his life. In his life. And later on, he was going as far as to stand up for Jesus among his peers. I mean, that's a pretty unapathetic thing to do. He fell from apathy so quickly. But Nicodemus missed this one major point about being a good, apathetic person. He exposed himself to the light. He exposed himself to light. And I don't know if you remember John 3, uh, you know, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish. You know that passage, right? Well, there's a little bit that Jesus goes on to tell Nicodemus about a little bit after that, and he says this to Nicodemus. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. You see, if you want to be an apathetic Christian, one of the best things that you can do is to get used to the darkness. If we're going to be truly apathetic, we cannot allow ourselves to come into exposure to the light. But we need to surround our lives in what it is, what is darkness. I heard about an Irish man who um, immigrated into the U.S. a number of years ago. And um, he came in and he stayed in the country about a year before his wife got here and came to join him. And so after a few days, they were sitting there and they were talking and she said to him, Man, they sure talk funny over here, don't they? And he said, you ought to have heard them when I first got here. Amazing how quickly we get used to the things. You guys notice that in your own lives, right? When I moved to the UP for the first time, I was like, man, dude, these guys, these guys talk weird. <laughs> There's a little bit of an accent there. I, I, cannot, I cannot even pick it up. Like it's, it's so natural now that it doesn't, it's amazing how quickly we get used to things. It's amazing how quickly 
things seem normal. You see, apathy begins when we find ourselves indifferent to sin. Apathy, apathy really begins in our lives when we find ourselves indifferent to sin, when it no longer shocks us, when we find out that we view it as a lifestyle choice rather than a rebellion against God. We get to use to sin in darkness best when we focus on the large sins of others while we get used to the small sins that we're struggling with. You want to be apathetic about your walk and your life with the Lord. That's a great thing to do is to focus on the sins of other people. We point out homosexuality is evil in the world, but at the same time we harbor lusts in our own heart. We call out those who partake in abortions as murderers, yet we advocate for war and force it against those war and force against those who oppose us. We hold on to our prejudices and resentments, and we close our doors because of what others might be or who others might be. We contend the wealthy for not being more generous, even though we hang on to the little things that we do have as if it was life itself. We shake our heads at governments and world powers who sit back and let people go hungry and starve in their cities and countries, but yet we embrace a lifestyle of gluttony and consumerism in our own homes. You see, if you want to be apathetic about something, it's really you need to focus on the sins of other people and not worry about your own. You see, we become apathetic by ignoring the small sins we struggle with and slowly getting used to it. If you're looking to be an apathetic Christian, then all means ignore this instruction from the Apostle Paul. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them to light. You see, apathy is not something that you work to accomplish in your life. It happens when you ignore what is and get used to the way things are. I'm going to say that again. Apathy is not something that you work to accomplish in your life. It just happens when you ignore what is and get used to the way things are. See, the nice thing about apathy is that if you want to be good at it, you don't have to exert yourself at all to show that you're sincere about it. That's the nice thing about apathy. You don't, you don't have to work to show that you're sincere about it. You don't have to exert an effort. If you're going to be an apathetic Christian, the path is clear-cut. So point one, get used to the darkness. Get used to the sin and the darkness. Point two, if you're going to be an apathetic Christian, then get carried away with things that don't last. Get carried away with things that don't last. I mean, there is one of there is really no better way. Well, there is better ways, maybe. But this is a great way to be an apathetic Christian. You get carried away. You get stuck. You get obsessed with things that have no eternal value. You get stuck with things that don't last. You know, John, he writes in, in 1 John, he says, Do not love the world or the things of the world. But if you want to be apathetic, you can just ignore that. Now, it wouldn't be too hard to be honest with you guys to show you that what God really might want for us to do is to get rid of everything that we have in everything that's passing away, to just sell our stuff. It's not, it's not too hard for us to show that really at all. In fact, Jesus goes back and he says pretty much those exact words to his disciples. His disciples says, hey, if you want to be a disciple of mine, you need to do this. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide for yourself money bags that do not grow old with a treasure 
do not grow old with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You see, if you're going to be a good, apathetic Christian like me, you're going to be able to explain this verse away really well. You're going to explain it away for yourself. And honestly, like explaining verses and passages like this get, get easier as your family grows or your retirement grows closer. If you're going to be an apathetic Christian, you need to get carried away with things that don't last, and you need to begin to explain this away. We need to fall on the argument that what God really wants is He wants us to be willing to part with our stuff. What God really wants is that we're willing to do what His will is. We need to get carried away with the types of thoughts that explain things away rather than jumping in to extreme obedience. You see, when we get carried away, when we get ourselves to think this way, then we have the freedom to live like he never actually expected us to. Apathy will take root in our lives when when we value the things of this world over enthusiastic and careless obedience to God. You want apathy to take root in your life? Then begin to value the things of this world over enthusiastic and careless obedience to God. The desires of the, of the flesh, the desires and lusts of the flesh are so strong. It's a struggle to say no to the craving of what the eye sees. And it seems impossible to say no to what the flesh craves. And pride just so easily takes over all that we do. James, the brother of Jesus, tells us that the committed Christians tells the committed Christians among us how to deal with these temptations. He says this: Submit yourselves to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. The apathetic Christian realizes this: that resistance is difficult. And the easiest way to deal with desires is to give in. The apathetic Christian realizes that resistance is difficult and the easiest way to deal with desire is to give in. They say or they think things like this, oh, it'll just be this one time. Man, the urge is just so strong. It it just feels so natural. They see things like, oh, I really just can't help myself. It's the way God made me. This is the only way that you're going to make this urge go away. The apathetic Christian realizes that resistance is difficult. And the easiest way to deal with desires is to give in. I don't know if you guys know this or not. You probably already do because you are college students. But college students ask a lot of questions. And, and honestly, like college students have apathy down pretty well. I mean, if that's any, I know that's not... I don't know if that's a compliment, if I should be phrasing that as a compliment right now or an insult. (laughs) But apathy comes natural to most of us in this stage of our life. And they ask a lot of questions that really boil down to the same thing. They boil down to this concept here. This is kind of what the questions always boil down to. How much like the world can I be and still be considered a Christian? How much of this world can I enjoy and still go to heaven? How near to sin can I walk without actually going over? How much of my desires can I entertain before it's sinful? A lot of these questions can be boiled down to this. 
They want to know what shows are bad to watch. Like, what, what, what point does it become a bad thing for the eye to see? They want to know what point they become immodest in the way that they dress. They want to know how much they can drink before it becomes a problem. They want to know how they can, far they can go physically before it's considered sex. You see, these are the type of questions that the apathetic Christian focuses on. Instead of asking, how much like the Lord can I be and how much little like the world can I experience, the point for the apathetic really is this. How much of the world can I incorporate into my life and still get to heaven? That's the question of the apathetic. Number three, if you're going to be an apathetic Christian, you've got to get good at blaming others. Like if you're going to be an apathetic Christian, you've got to get real good at blaming others. It's the way apathy started out from the very beginning. It's how apathy started at the very beginning in the Bible. Seldom is sin met straight up with an admittance and a confession. If we're to be apathetic, we need to make sure that we keep it that way. Pass the buck every chance you get. You want to be apathetic, you've got to pass the buck every chance you get. Take your cue from a pro, a pro-apathetic. Adam, he did this as well, if not better, than anybody in the Bible. Listen, listen to what he says after he's caught in disobedience. Genesis chapter 3. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked and hid myself. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree which I commanded you not to eat? And the man said, That woman whom you gave me, she gave me the fruit of the tree to eat. That's strong apathy right there. That's a strong pass-the-buck move, right? Because he's not just passing the buck on to the woman. He's passing the buck on to God. That woman whom you gave me, she gave me this fruit. That's strong. Not only did he throw Eve under the bus, but he was able to place the blame right back on God. It was that woman whom you gave. Have you noticed how there's no longer any regular, old-fashioned sinners anymore? Right? I don't know if you guys have noticed that. It's like not many regular old-fashioned sinners. Murderers are now considered temporarily insane. Alcoholics can't help it because of some genetic predisposition. Gluttons overeat and sexual predators play as a result of abuse that they received as children. Liars are taught to be that way. Hoarders hoard because they were deprived. At every turn, there's an excuse for sin and a blame to pass on for another. It's because of my parents. It's because of the culture that I was born into. It's because of the bad things happened in my life. It's because of a, a chemical imbalance. It's because of this. And the, the truth is, guys, there are, there are so many different things that have an impact on our behavior, but the apathetic Christian passes the blame for themselves onto their culture, onto their, the people into their lives, and ultimately onto God. If we want to be apathetic, we got to know how to pass the blame. We need to know how to pass the blame. Fourth thing, if you're going to be an apathetic Christian, you need to seek knowledge without application. 
You see, it's important for the apathetic Christian to get used to knowing things without doing them. you got to get used to that. If you're going to stay apathetic, the worst thing that you can do is to let conviction result in action. It's fine to feel like you should do something. In fact, it's best so that you, that you do actually feel like you should do something so that you can be held down by the guilt and the pressure of not actually performing so that it will actually cause you to be depressed and you won't do anything in the end. If you want to be apathetic, the best thing that you can do is to do nothing at all. The point is, whatever it is you know, just don't let it result in change. The apathetic Christian needs to focus on what the writer of Ecclesiastes says. The words of the wise are like good goads, and, and nails firmly fixed are the sayings, are the collected sayings that are given by the shepherd. They need to focus on this idea that collecting knowledge and collecting wisdom without paying attention to how he closes off the statement in this very chapter of Ecclesiastes 12. The words of wise are like gold, like nails firmly fixed are the collected sayings. They are given by one shepherd. Man, give me knowledge. Give me knowledge. Give me understanding. But this is what Ecclesiastes goes on to say. My son, beware of anything beyond these. Of making many books, there is no end. And of much study, there is a weariness of the flesh. The end of the matter, when all has been heard, is this. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or evil. You see, if we're going to be apathetic, we need to focus on those goats, not the lifestyle of obedience. The apathetic Christian needs to be all about the truth. They need to make it their goal to seek and know truth. They are to sort out they're the, sort, they're the sort that enjoys listening to sermons, reading books, studying God's Word, and anything that they can do to replace the actual act of doing God's will. Some of us struggle with it. All right. That was enough. I couldn't handle that anymore. Um, does anybody know what the word apathy is? Apathetic. Okay, I I, I got to be honest with you guys. I was really trying to tell you how to be apathetic Christians, and it's really difficult for me. Um, because <laughs> because this is a reverse sermon. I'm trying to tell you what not to do. Okay, did anybody pick that up? I, all right, I gave I gave this message a number of years ago, and I got a really nasty letter from somebody <laughs> about my trying to convince people to be apathetic. They thought I was really sincere. So before we leave today, I just want to be clear with you that I'm not encouraging you to be apathetic. But sometimes it helps us to look at things a little differently. Sometimes it helps us to look at things a little differently. Um, Should probably just I should probably just uh, uh, let it let it simmer longer than I did, but I, I apologize. Uh, but I just couldn't leave things hanging here. I, I sort of wanted to, 
But I need to wrap up the message, and there's something that I need to make clear to you. And it's this, that Jesus didn't come to earth. He didn't take the form of flesh, of man. He didn't live as a servant. He didn't offer himself um, to death, to punishment. He didn't go through the the torment of being separated from, from God in heaven. He didn't go through the effort of being raised from the dead. He didn't go through the work of the being raised into heaven and sent into heaven only so that he can send the Holy Spirit back to us so that we can be apathetic Christians. He didn't, he didn't go through the punishment in the enduring the cross so that we can live our lives apathetically about our faith in him. He did it so that we could be fully and totally and wholly his. He did it so that we in our lives might become like him in his glory and perfection. See, the reason that Jesus came is because there was a separation between us and God in a void that he wanted to fill and to change. There's a passage that I just want to read to close things off, and it's from the book of Hebrews chapter 12. And I know... I have shared this before, but this is the truth of the matter. God didn't leave room for apathy in the lives of a Christian, in the life of a Christian. It says this, therefore, Hebrews 12, 1, therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance. Let us set this aside. Let us put it off. Let us set aside every encumbrance in the sin which so easily entangles us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who, for the joy set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. You have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your own blood in your striving against sin. See, there's not room for apathy in the life of Christian. And what I love about this passage that Jesus was holy and totally and completely unapathetic. I don't know what the, what, like what, is there a better word than unapathetic? Because that seems like, there's probably like, what is, what's unapathetic? What's that mean? What? Loving. Yeah, sure, loving. That's a, even, that's better than any word that I could have come up with. Apathy is the opposite of love. I love it. I believe you. (laughs) I agree. 100%. I just couldn't think of another word other than unapathetic, which sounds ridiculous. But Jesus, he didn't suffer from that. You see, I love the way this passage presents presents this, right? It says this, that Jesus, you know where he was before he came to earth? Before he became man and he spent time with us? You know where he was? In the presence of God. Right? He was with his Father. He was in his presence. And it says this, For the joy set before him endured the cross. 
He became a man. He stepped down from heaven out of the presence of God because he saw something that was more joyful than just him being in God's presence. You know what it was? To bring us with him. Right? That's the whole purpose. That's not an apathetic move at all. Like Jesus did not jump into the apathetic movement whatsoever. He left the presence of God, came to the earth as a man, as a man who was broken and crushed, who was persecuted, who was hung on a cross and died to bring us, to make his joy complete, to bring us into the presence of the Father. That's powerful. That's what it means to be loved. That's what it means to be unapathetic. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you cared so deeply, Lord, that you took on the form of this flesh, that you took on, God, the struggles that we deal with, God, that you took on you took on our form, Lord. Not only you took on that, but Lord, but you took on our punishment upon yourself that we might join you in heaven with your Father. And God, I just pray as we, we think about our walk, we think about our lives, our, 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 our lives as followers of Christ, Lord, that we would do things in our life that would reflect that. God, that would be imitators of those actions that you took on. Lord, that we would become selfless rather than self-serving. God, that we would become loving rather than apathetic. God, that we would seek to further your kingdom rather than seek to further our brand or our reputation. God, I pray that in our lives as we move forward this semester, Lord, that you'd help us to shed off, shed off apathy and begin to pursue a life wholly devoted to you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.